Welcome to the Spiritually Expressed Human, a show where being spiritual means unleashing the badass within, and being human means listening to your heart's voice instead of the one in your head. Together, Susan will help you navigate the murky waters of life's emotional and spiritual experiences, those that likely caused you to live by someone else's directions, and find your true north so that you can become the spiritually expressed badass you are meant to be. Now here's your host, Susan Desenzi. Welcome back to the show. As always, I'm so grateful to be here, and I thank you for being here and learning how to become a more fully expressed you. Now, Parshal Tashi was on last week, and the title of the show was Frustration, Faith, and Freedom. And it was an amazing conversation about this woman who grew up in a very religious upbringing and started asking questions really early on, but those questions went unanswered. When they were answered, they weren't really answered to her satisfaction, and it caused her to seek a path for herself that over time would provide those answers for her, but it took many, many years. And that ultimately led her to sometimes having deeper faith and sometimes having a shakier faith. But either way, it ultimately led to her freedom. And so one of the reasons that I wanted to come on today and talk about that episode from last week specifically and share again why I'm so passionate about what I do, it's because I've been there. I've lived through experiences where I've had thoughts and feelings that led me to believe that, you know, I was an imposter or worthless or a copycat and fraud. And there were times that I let massive doubt and that internal voice in my head get in the way. And I had my own questions. I couldn't reconcile that since I was four years old, I had this awareness that we are much more than our physical body. And as I've said before, it really kind of screwed me up because how could I have this, you know, kind of all-encompassing, more quote-unquote, spiritual awareness of the infinite nature of who we are at the core, and also be this human who is experiencing a lot of pain, and a lot of doubt, and a lot of fears, and some really horrific experiences from age five till I was 28 years old, as far as the sexual assaults went. And so all those years, I had questions too. But, you know, a lot of people didn't really know how to answer them. Now, in Parshel's case, it was that they didn't want to answer them, because if they answered these questions specifically about like her religious upbringing and, and the questions of her faith that she was having, they might have to admit certain things about their beliefs. And it dawned on me as Parshel and I were talking that that is really true in a lot of ways for, I think, most of us. Because what ultimately happens is that we have these doubts or fears or questions or, you know, concerns. We voice them when we're young, and we may get responses from our caregivers, our parents, whoever has taken care of us, to things like, um, well, you know, good little girls don't 
do that or don't think like that or, you know, strong little boys shouldn't blah, blah, blah. And so then we start to question the fact that we even have questions. And so what was amazing about Parshel's story and what she shared last week is that she kind of stuck with it all throughout her life, right? There were certain things that happened that led her down this path and then that path. And, you know, her finding this new church when she's just like 16, 17 years old and deciding that that is the right, you know, place for her to, to have her faith and believe in what she believed in because she was getting this, you know, feedback that was positive. She was getting the support and this love. And yet she was getting grief from her parents and her family. And then going on to college and finding at college that there are all these other kinds of ways people believe in whatever, you know, their their faiths were. And it helped her to continue to reformulate her own beliefs. And then she got married and they went to this church and then the church closed. And, you know, then she and her husband were left like, where do we go now? I mean, these kinds of patterns are very actually typical in all of our lives because we have these questions. We seek out answers. We may not get the answers that we're looking for. And then it kind of leads us down you know, to take that left turn or that right turn or that zig or that zag on the pathway, you know, of our life. And in my own life, I saw the parallels that I could have this, you know, set of beliefs over here on the one side about who we appear to be at the core, this infinite kind of nature within us, right? This love, this just intense infiniteness. And then on this other side, we're this human who has these experiences, and with that comes all the negative stuff. I mean, it's all it can be super positive too. But in the human part of it, there's all this negative stuff. There's, you know, pain and hurt and things like, you know, words that we use to describe things like betrayal and distrust and uncertainty and worry and hopelessness and other words that we use like imposter and copycat and fraud and unworthy and things like that. And so we have this kind of two-sided, you know, coin, so to speak, and we struggle to see both sides and kind of meet in the middle. And if we're going to use the analogy of a coin, you can't really do that. Right? You either flip it to one side or the other to really see clearly either the head or the tail. Right? If you tilt it on its side and you try to view both sides at the same time, you're only going to see part of it. And so it dawned on me as Parshel was talking how much we strive for that thing called balance. And the truth is, we're never ever going to achieve balance. You know, you hear all this like, you know, achieve work-life balance. You got to have more balance in your life. But I would invite you, even though I know you're listening, and if you're driving, please don't do this because I don't want you to get into a wreck. But when you're in a 
place where you're listening where you can use both of your hands. I would invite you then to put both hands out in front of you, palms facing down. Your right and your left hand out in front of you, palms down. And I want you to make them level, right? Like place them kind of right next to each other and make them level. And then hold them there. Now that would be quote unquote perfect balance, right? If you were looking at a scale and it was perfectly balanced on both sides, then you would see an even nature on both sides, right? There would be no movement up or down either way. But I would also invite you to then take that same scale, and we're just using our hands as, a, as an example for a visual. But imagine then taking that actual scale and placing it out in the weather. Just like put it out in the backyard and let the snow and the rain and the sun and the heat and the cold get to it, especially if you do live in a cold climate like I do. And over time, what's going to happen to that scale is it will rust and it will get stuck. And if you try to put something on either side of it, you could potentially break the scale because it has kind of quote unquote frozen in its kind of locked position, right? In its rusted position. And the truth is, we're never going to achieve perfect balance in our lives to where that scale, either side of it, ever moves a little up or a little down. Because if you do, then put your hands out in front of you again, face down, leveled, and pay attention to what's happening. There's no movement. There's no growth. There is no fluctuation. Your hands could become like that rusted scale that's out in the elements that is stuck and frozen. And that's what often happens in our lives is we kind of get stuck on a path that we think we're supposed to be living on when really like Parshel, she had this deeper awareness and knowingness, but she really couldn't get a grasp and an understanding of what that was and what it meant until many years later. And so what we do want in our lives is we want some movement. So as your hands are out in front of you, move your right hand down a little and your left hand up a little, or go back to level, and then move your left hand down and your right hand up a little bit, and then bring your right hand down to level again, we want just a little movement up and down on either side. We don't want the drastic movements to like where your left hand is up by your head and your right hand is down by your chest or vice versa, because that's really imbalanced and out of whack. And at times when we're struggling with these questions deeper within ourselves, kind of like our deeper knowingness, whether you call that soul or spirit or grace or you know, your gut or your intuition or your heart's voice, as I call it, oftentimes when we get those little nigglings, those little internal deeper awarenesses that pop up, what's kind of happening then to the scale, so to speak, of your life is that you're getting some movement. But we've kind of been trained from society and the way we kind of live as humans generally, that we're not supposed to question too much. We're just kind of supposed to go with the status quo. If you were raised in a family like Parshel was, 
where there is a, a, a very strong religious faith, she was raised that that's the way she's supposed to think and feel. And following that religious faith in exactly the way that she was brought up in is what is supposed to be. But she had those deeper questions that were causing her scale to kind of move a little bit more. And it created kind of a struggle for her family because they didn't want that to be moving, right? They didn't want her to have those questions because, again, they would have to answer them. So we tend to find ways to avoid things like that when it becomes really uncomfortable for us or it challenges our own beliefs. And so because I was a child and didn't know, and I'm, you know, I have this awareness at four, it just seemed normal to me to ask those questions. And fortunately, I was blessed with, you know, really amazing parents who listened and worked really hard to help myself and my two older brothers as children to really understand the things that we were thinking and feeling. But there were times that they didn't get it either. I mean, specifically, I remember when I was four, I came to them one time and I said things to them like, you know, I was my my father was a Boy Scout master and my mother was a den leader for Cub Scouts. And I had two older brothers, have, not had, I have two older brothers. And so we were very, very outdoorsy people. We camped all the time, and my parents were always involved with scout stuff. And, you know, I was even involved in kind of the girl side of it when I was young, which was bluebirds, which went into campfire girls on like Girl Scouts. You had um, brownies, brownies and Girl Scouts and bluebirds and campfire girls. I don't even know if campfire girls is around anymore. So I was in the female kind of version of that, but I was always kind of a tomboy anyway, and I was the baby of the family, so I really was close to my older brothers and looked up to them, and so it was kind of no big deal that we were always doing, like, scout stuff. And so, you know, we're we're kind of camping and in nature all the time, and so it wasn't unusual for us to spend evenings sometimes when we're out in nature just all like as a family staring up at the sky and looking into the stars and looking into the vast universe. And so I I remember at four coming to my parents and saying, using these exact words, you know, what is infinity? (laughs) What is beyond the universe? What does philosophy kind of really mean when it comes to God and the universe? And they're looking at me and then looking at each other and then looking at me, and then looking at each other. And their mouths drop open wide in just kind of like a gasp of like, how do you even know those words? And I don't know how I knew them. I just, I just did. I just, I don't know, I guess I heard them somewhere. But I'm asking them these questions. And their response to me, after their initial shock, was, sweetie, you know, why don't you go play with your Barbies? And I remember in my little rebellious four-year-old self, I put my hands on my little hips, I stomped my feet, and as I turned around in my little rebellious state, I said, I don't want to, because they're not real. And it's like, I never was a big doll player, right? You know, I never really played with dolls when I was a little girl, 
I just kind of didn't care. To me, they weren't real. And even though I had a great imagination and I could play, you know, very fantasy and imagination kinds of, you know, scenarios and games with my little friends when I was young, I just knew that that piece was silly, right? That that dolls weren't real. And what really was the case was that I was mad that they didn't answer my question. But they didn't answer my question because they didn't know how to answer my question. They never expected their four-year-old daughter to be coming to them with questions of such kind of a deep nature. And, you know, I wouldn't think that I would have had that curiosity and awareness anyway, but I did. And it wasn't that it set the stage for me to, you know, kind of like not trust my parents to answer my questions because they really were very good about doing the best they could as the years went on to answer those questions, maybe because of that four-year-old incident. I don't know. But I think I learned that I wasn't going to get the answers that I was looking for right away, and that what it would cause me to do is have to live life and experience more things in order to really kind of come to conclusions. Now, I want to be very clear that I didn't have that exact thought when I was four, because I didn't think in those terms, right? I didn't have that kind of language. But I did remember the feeling, the more kind of emotional tie and connectedness to that experience was that I wasn't going to get the answers that I wanted right now, and I would have to wait for it. And as a four-year-old, you know, I don't know if you have children, but if you do, you'll know that four-year-olds aren't the most super patient little kids in the world. And I know that that led me on like this more fierce desired path to seek out those answers. So by the time I was nine years old, I was reading everything I could get my hands on to kind of start to try to make sense of how I was having this deep spiritual kind of awareness of the expansiveness of us as human beings on this planet, and at the same time being human and having these hurts and betrayals and negative experiences that caused me, you know, to doubt myself and caused me to listen to the voice in my head instead of that intuition and that gut and my heart's voice. And so what was interesting about, you know, as Parshel was talking, especially when the uh, church that her and her husband were going to had just kind of literally kind of through a phone call closed the church down And it left them kind of in this state of, uh, what do we do now? Like, where do we go? How do we find a new church? Like, we, you know, it's that uncertainty. And at the same time, it's that fear a little bit that says, great, now I have to go, like, find a new place. We have to go and we have to go a few times to see if it feels like it's a good fit. And it fortunately, you know, was a good fit for them down the road, but it also caused Parshel to further question different things about her experiences up to that point. And I think that so many of us 
can get so caught up in what we're used to and the experiences that we're, you know, familiar with, kind of that status quo and that normalcy, if you will, that when change happens, when something really out of balance swings that scale really out of balance, it throws us and it causes us to internalize some of those pieces toward ourselves as opposed to just looking at it from the outside situational experience. And, you know, obviously, you're listening to this episode. If you're listening to this episode when it first comes out, it's still 2020. And it's August of 2020, which means coronavirus is still running rampant through our global society. And we are still dealing with issues from the pandemic. There is no normal right now, and there's no new normal that we can even begin to define. There are still, what, 33 million people out of work here in the United States alone. And globally, economies have, you know, been devastated, right? Cities have been devastated. Workforces have been devastated. People's lives have been turned upside down. And I think the interesting thing is that as difficult as it is to deal with all of that, because we each have our own day-to-day lives going, how am I going to do this? Or how am I going to manage that? Or how am I going to you know, pay my bills or put food on my table? Or what am I going to do when my kids are supposed to maybe go back to a physical structure of school and I don't want them to, but I have to go to work? in order to survive, and yet I worry about them, and I worry about myself and the exposure, all these pieces that were never part of our day-to-day life in our normal before. And I think as, as like time went on for Parshel, she realized that she wasn't living really as her full expression of her, and she wasn't really living her truth. And it was because she believed that she had to be a certain way. And part of that was from some of her upbringing in her religious faith. And part of it was, you know, maybe just the the era and the time that she grew up in, right? And yet, when she was really faced with the, the permission to have these questions and really seek out the answers in a more truthful, honest way with others, as well as herself. Wow. Then she was able to come to a conclusion for herself that she really wasn't living her truth. And I think that sometimes it's really difficult for us to like find those truths and speak those truths because we're more afraid of what will happen if we do speak them. We're more afraid of the people around us whom we love who might dislike what we're saying or what we're offering up, or we might be afraid that they will walk away from a relationship with us if it's a partner or a spouse or a you know, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or even a friend. And I think that it's the same reason why we stay 
maybe in a job that we're not really happy in. We don't really feel like it's our passion, but it, you know, we make good money and it puts food on the table and we're helping to provide for our families. So we stay. But at the same time, then we're unhappy or we're not feeling fulfilled and we're not feeling like we're really living a life that we just are like, oh man, I'm so excited about it kind of thing. And we can do that with everything. We do that with our sexuality. We do that with our relationships. We do that with our own power. We do that with our voices, right? I want to tell him or her this, but I'm afraid of their reaction. Now, again, as a licensed therapist, I have to clarify here that if you are in a domestically violent or abusive relationship, I am not advocating that you just start speaking out all the time without making sure that you're safe and that if you have children, your children are safe. Because when we're in a different kind of situation like that, yeah, well, as much as, you know, me as a therapist wants to see you feel empowered, and as much as I want you to get out of that potentially very violent situation, there are things that you have to consider. So what I am offering up is that if you can speak your truth in a safe way, whether it's with a family member, a parent, your children, a coworker, a boss, a friend, a neighbor, I don't care who you plug in there. If you can speak your truth in a safe way, even if it feels shaky and you're nervous and there's anxiety there and you're concerned and worried about what the outcome will be, if you're at that point where you're ready to do that, just please make sure that you are in a safe environment. Because as Parshel continued to ask her deeper questions and recognize who she really was, she was then able to shed a lot of the old belief systems that she had learned as truths for so many years. And it was at that point that her life really shifted. As she stepped into who she really is as a woman, as a woman of faith, as a woman who had, you know, kind of a shifting and a changing of her belief systems, as an African American woman in a in a very, you know, let's say it, relatively white privileged society, as a woman who was married and was now no longer married, as a a woman who recognized her sexuality and stepped into it fully as a woman who chose to get into a career field where as a you know video producer she was you know i guess we're going to say it flat out in a lot of ways parshell went into a career field that was still very much kind of a man's game and i've met parshell in person we have you know talked quite a few times there is nothing you know kind of manly about Parshel, meaning, you know, just because you work in a field that might be kind of more geared toward, you know, male dominance, or it has been a male-dominated field for a long time, 
a lot of times people tend to think that women in those career fields then are kind of being more masculine in their attitudes, beliefs, behaviors, things like that in order to get by. Well, sometimes that's true, but Parshel, you know, didn't do that. Parshel stayed true to more of who she was recognizing she really was. And by doing so, she stepped into a place of real power, real empowerment, real strength, and the ability for her to recognize that she had the power and the tools and the skills to choose what was important to her and no longer have to uh, feel, I guess I'll say helpless, toward a belief system or a set of beliefs that she had grown up with that she thought she had to live by in order to be herself. And I recognize the same thing, that although I have dealt with and lived through six sexual assaults, I stopped being a survivor a long time ago. When I stepped into a place of real forgiveness and a real ability of power for myself, and I took that power back, when I stepped into a place where I could truly forgive the perpetrators who had committed these crimes and actions against me and upon me, when I was able to recognize that I was not my past experiences, and that I no longer had to be the victim or the survivor, that was the moment I stepped into thriving. And when I stepped into thriving, I truly started living my truths. And I no longer bought into what society or the norms were, or my belief systems were, or my upbringing was, that kind of you know, said, no, that's kind of who you are. You're that survivor because you've been through these things. The truth is we've all survived a lot of stuff, and we've all had a variety of paths that we've had to walk down in our years of growing up with our our caregivers or our family members or whoever it was that we were living with and, and was taking care of us and trying to help shape and mold us we adopt and adapt to other people's belief systems if that is what is part of the environment that we're in day to day, because that's the way we avoid any kind of pain whatsoever. But the problem is, is it will ultimately cause deeper pain that is longer lasting and more pervasive over time if we don't step into our own voice our own heart's voice, our own power, our own truths. And so I really wanted to to tie together Parshel's experiences and how it relates and can relate to you in your own life. You don't have to have had the same experiences as Parshel or as me or anybody else that you know. The truth is, is that whatever you have gone through If you are in a place where you know that you're not living your own truth and you're not really stepping in to, you know, your own power, you're not living as the fully beautifully expressed version of you that down deep you really want to be, 
then you have to kind of take a look at what are those beliefs? What are those fears? What are those things that you're holding on to from your past that are stopping you in your present? And now a word from our sponsor for the day. Today's episode has been brought to you by our sponsor, True Visionaries Incorporated, an organization dedicated to helping you become a true visionary of your own life. If you're dealing with any kind of stress day-to-day or stress related to the pandemic, then go to www.susandesenzi.com forward slash stress toolkit to download your free stress toolkit guide. Thanks so much for listening. Now back to the show. Welcome back. So obviously, you know, today's episode is about kind of taking a look at how we can get really kind of put on a path and we start walking that path and we just kind of go with the flow and we have hurts and frustrations and anger and sadnesses and, you know, kind of victim mentalities and labels and depressive thoughts and feelings. And we can feel like, you know, we're not worthy or we're not enough and we need to do better and we've got to get it right. And I mean, I could go on and on with a list of things that we can all feel and it can hold us back and stop us from really stepping into a place of real power and real voice. And I think the important piece to take away from Parshel's story last week, and if you didn't listen to the episode, please go and listen to it because it was a really phenomenal conversation about her journey from a place of frustration with a deep level of faith and ultimately how it led to her freedom to really step into herself. And so listen to it if you didn't. If you did, I think the biggest takeaway from that episode was that Parshel didn't give up. And I didn't give up. From my four-year-old little self, I didn't give up because when I was 28 and I was standing in front of that mirror with a suicide note in my hand, ready to end my life, it was that four-year-old, her voice, that I heard. It was her voice that was screaming, not screaming, but was louder than the relentless screaming negative voice that was in my head telling me I was worthless and to just go end it all. My four-year-old self's voice was louder but from love and drowned out that relentless screaming voice. And I heard her say, you are worth so much more. Anything is possible. And like I've said before, it was in that moment I made that decision to not end my life. But it was my four-year-old self who kind of came forward. And so as I was talking with Parshel last week, and as I was reflecting on our conversation and my own life, even though I've been in my field for 24 years and I have worked with thousands and thousands of people, look, we're human. And, and that's part of what this show is about, right? The spiritually expressed human 
It's about stepping into our humanness, but from that deeper aware place so that we can truly live the life that we want in a fully expressed way, truly as the badasses that we are. It was this awareness for myself that I didn't have to be all of those things that I thought at various times I was. And so even now, when that voice in my head creeps in and I start to go for even a short while into a, a darkness or a, have negative thoughts or I'm angry about something or upset and I'm venting and I'm like, Argh! and I have all this kind of negative stuff floating in my head, it was that awareness that I can be both. I can be human and I can be spiritual. And whatever that means for each of you is what it means to you. And at the same time, all the paths that I have been on, all the twists and turns and potholes and the times I've fallen down and the times that I've you know, felt like I've run a race or a marathon and I've gone far or I didn't think I could and I accomplished so much more than I thought I was able to, all of the part of the paths that I've been on were what brought me to this moment right now as I'm talking to you. And so whatever happens for me tomorrow and the day after and a week from now and a month from now and a year from now will continue to help shape me as long as I don't give up and stop asking the questions. And so it isn't the questions that there are a problem. It's that we refuse to hear the questions and seek out answers. And so think about this. If Parshel had stopped asking questions when she was young, she would have continued the way her life was going at the time in her religious faith with her family. And so many of the things that happened for her later may not have happened. Like when she found the new church at 1617, she wouldn't have decided to stay going there. And that wouldn't have caused some tension in her family, which some of that tension helped spur Parshel to ask more and deeper questions over time. And so people have often asked me, how can you see the experiences that you went through with the, with the assaults as gifts? And I say, <laughs> wow, it, you know, I, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And I am 100% not saying, gee, they were fun. They aren't the kinds of gifts that I want to see anybody be given. But I had two choices. I either look at those experiences from a victim mindset and say, poor me, how horrible. Look at the tragedies and the horrible things I went through. And I let it rob me of my power, which means I'm letting those men win. Or I work through all of the feelings and the thoughts. I learn to walk with the experiences that are a part of my past. I learn to walk with how it helped to shape me and create even a deeper level of compassion and empathy and forgiveness and, you know, tolerance. And I allow it to propel me forward to become a better and better version of myself. Now, when I say better, it isn't really a better or worse. Better means that I 
grow as a human being, that I become the highest version of myself that I can be. And if I know something more today than I knew a month ago, and I'm in the same situation again, and this time I choose a bit of a different outcome or path, or I make a different choice, and it allows me to be a better or best version of myself compared to that month ago me, who you know was in the same situation but made a different choice and had a more, let's say, negative outcome, then I'm just continually evolving and expressing as the highest and best version of me. So I want to qualify that, that the better word isn't like better or worse, right? Because we can get very caught up in that word and then it's like, oh, I'm not good enough. I need to be better. I need to do better. I need to do more. And you don't have to do more, be more, have more in order for you to matter or be significant. I have said that before and I will say it a million more times. And so I could reach a place of deeper love and compassion and then look at my experiences through a different lens that said, wow, they really helped me to grow. So that is how I could see them as gifts. And that is how Parshel saw a lot of the experiences that she had ultimately as gifts, because it was what propelled her into herself. So I hope that you have found value in kind of breaking apart the episode of last week with Parshel. My intention moving forward when I have a guest is that the following week, I will put up an episode that really kind of talks about that interview episode with my guest and really ties things together and breaks things down. So if they had particular challenges or struggles that you know you might have gone through, then it's a way for you to see more easily how it relates to you. Because like I know when I've listened to some interviews and I've heard somebody talk about all this stuff, but all I see now is them at the point where they're at today, it's hard for me sometimes to understand, well, how did they get there? What was that process they went through? How did they really do that? And how did they really implement that? So what I would like to offer up to you today is, you know, the the most important question to always ask yourself when you're going through something that is challenging or negative or you feel it's destructive or it's harmful or you're just feeling pain, right? You, you could just be feeling some depression or some anxiety and you know, you could be having a hard time at work or with a spouse or a child or you know, one of your children, doesn't matter. If you're going through something, and especially right now with the pandemic, and you're really struggling, then ask yourself, what are my beliefs about this thing? this situation, this experience? What am I believing about this? Do I believe that I have to believe this? Or do I believe this because I'm choosing to believe this and it really is my truth? And sometimes we can really kind of get to that answer really quickly and easily. And sometimes it's a bitch. Sometimes it just flat out sucks. And it is like really hard to get to that kind of deeper answer. And again, if you're having trouble 
figuring that out, reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. I would love to to help you through something. Maybe you can come on air with me. And just like a couple of weeks ago when Kim and I were on air together and recorded an episode on her show, which you guys listened to a couple of episodes ago, whereby I was kind of doing some coaching with her. And I say kind of because you know, we'd had this conversation the day before and it was just such a great convo that we ended up recording the episode the following day and it really was a coaching session. I can help coach you through it and we can do that on air. There's nothing to be nervous about. It's just two people talking and getting to some of the roots and some of the cores of things. If that doesn't suit you, then just reach out to me by going to susandesenzi.com, filling out the contact form, and just saying hi, or letting me know what you'd like to hear on the show, or what kind of issues are you having that you want me to address, or that you're feeling stuck in. Because the bottom line truth is, we cannot step into becoming a fully spiritually, humanly expressed being unless we're aware of the deeper things that are going on inside of us, and unless we're aware of kind of how they got put into place and where they kind of come from. Of course, we have the power to change our thoughts simply by just changing your thought. It is that simple. But it is not simple to maintain when your thoughts are one way and your mind's job is to protect you and is running a program that will write over those thoughts. So it's not just about staying positive, positive, positive. So reach out. I would love to hear from you. So ask yourself those questions. Have an amazing, beautiful, gorgeous, fully badass, expressed self kind of week. And I will see you next week. Ciao for now. You've been listening to The Spiritually Expressed Human, where conformity is not an option. Getting out of the box is critical, and spiritually expressed means becoming the badass of your life while attaining freedom and inner peace. If you're ready to start that process, go to susandesenzi.com and click on the free gift tab to get started. You can also get the link in the show notes. Thank you for being here, and if you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on your platform of choice. Until next time. Be the spiritually expressed badass you are meant to be.